Hello and welcome to P Guru's Prime Channel. This is Sri Ayer, your host, and today I have a new guest, Major Madan Kumar. And and before I give you a brief bio about him, let's welcome him to the channel. Major Madan, Namaskar, and welcome to P Guru's Channel. Namaskar, Sri Jeev. Thank you, and thank you. I'm happy to be uh, in your program. Looking forward the, for a good interaction with you. Thank you, sir. And we are looking forward to a wonderful interaction here, uh, viewers. For those of you who do not know Major Madan Kumar, uh, he is a regular on uh, many channels, many YouTube channels and TV. And I'm just going to briefly read out his profile. He is an alumnus of the prestigious Officers Training Academy. Uh, I think this is the Chennai one, right? Chennai one. Yes. Uh, he's a veteran, he's an entrepreneur, he's a logistics professional, corporate guest lecturer, geopolitical analyst, a left-hander, a southpaw, and uh, management education from XLRI and a soldier by mindset. Nation first and always. Coaching and mentoring for students in SCM and defense aspirants. He's also a co-founder of Armor of Care, A-R-M-O-U-R of Care. It's a a uh, group of selfless volunteers com comprising of ex-defense officers, doctors, and young civilians of India. The mission started from 2015 Chennai floods to Vardha to Kerala, Kodagu, and now the pandemic of COVID-19. It's a very impressive bio there, uh, Major Madan. And once again, welcome to P Guru's channel, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. So, so uh, Major Madan, you have been in the army for several years and you've seen it all. And today I wanted to get a perspective from somebody who has seen it from the ground. And, and also we know that uh, war clouds were lingering before, but with the Talibanization of Afghanistan, uh, you see, uh, I, I equated to what the Romans used to do. See, the Romans kept conquering at some point they didn't know what to do they just kept going and going and conquering more and more lands because they needed to keep their army busy so i'm afraid that this moment could arrive for the taliban who might want to say hmm let's do something else now and and what i'm hearing and i don't know if i'm this is how truthful this is or not that in the bazaars of peshawar you can get any kind of assault rifle and so on and so forth. We have to remember that the Americans left 100,000 plus assault, uh, rifles and arms. And I don't know what kind of arms and ammunition they left. So that is one side. The other thing that we are hearing when we were talking about the drama that played out as the Punjab chief minister was ingloriously sacked, although he says that he resigned. But, you know, we know how politics work. But let's take the politics aside. What one of his allegations was that drones were coming across with grenades, um, arms and ammunition and what have you. And he said he was he had gone down to Delhi to talk with the prime minister and the home minister to try and combat this. And, and uh, lo and behold, he's no more the chief minister. Anyway, so there is a real and present danger right now, whether it is trying to arm people inside India or from outside. How do you see this situation? We can take it from any point, from Gujarat all the way down to the line of control and line of actual control. The floor is yours. Take it away, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. And uh, to get before getting into this, uh, just a bit of a historic perspective. The first ever time uh, India, or rather I would say it as Indian Army, uh, ever faced a foreign terrorist or an Afghani terrorist or even the Pakistani terrorist, was way back in 93 
and from then on at uh, that time it was estimated around 400 uh, terrorists basically from the from the khyber pakhtunkhwa province and the other side of uh, pakistan which is afghanistan so they then themselves were called themselves as uh, mujahideens so they were in kashmir uh, around 400 of them i actually remember it's sb uh, sb islami a militant organization which got active in uh, kashmir Uh, from there on till 2000 so indian army has neutralized or we can say it has killed around 50000 plus terrorists out of this uh, there were 3000 of them who came from uh, afghanistan so out of 50000 or terrorist uh, whom we neutralized over a period of uh, uh, 15 years so it was almost uh, 3000 terrorist uh, who's native was ultimately uh, led to or or we can find them to be an afghani terrorist so today we have a similar situation after uh, two decades after the inglorious exit of uh, us from the afghan soil and now the taliban's uh, estimated uh, foot on ground the, the number of terrorists on ground is anywhere between 70000 to 90000 out of which there are almost uh, 10 to 15000 of uh, pakistani origin terrorist who call themselves as talibans so uh, today they have captured the nation they have thrown off a democratically uh, elected government they have taken over the government the sharia has been imposed now with their own understanding of sharia now uh, will they be able to accommodate all these 90000 people on board and run the government or run the country that is impossible because uh, as we speak it is a parallel governance which is going on because they don't know how to govern so they took the afghani police who were kind of surrendered to talibans and to over supervise them or to supervise them they have the taliban forces on ground their own terrorists on ground and that's how it's been running so what we can assume is there will be lot of spillovers there will be lot of jobless uh, terrorist who knew nothing apart from living in caves and fighting the so called jihad or uh, whatever they call uh these people can be recruited for a certain amount of money they can be made as a mercenary force which we i just spoke about that uh, we had that in the past uh, those people can be recruited by isi which is already on there and uh, and also by uh, chinese supported uh, terrorist organizations in uh, pakistan and they can infiltrate into kashmir so what has changed then and now is to today we have a very robust uh, tier 1 fence all along the loc have closed down to 6760 kilometers plus so we have a four level uh, fencing system with all upgradations uh, way back uh, in 2004 when the fencing was happening i was that uh, there in poonch one of the closest uh, border areas hardly few hundred meters away from pakistan so we had made a fence in loc so it is not that easy to cross over the fence and come inside nevertheless the infiltrations are still happening there are innovative methods these terrorists do use and uh, breach our security so once they come in there are uh, the regular indian armed forces uh, indian army forces uh, who have been deployed in the counter terrorism grid or the counter uh, terrorism grid at the border area and in the interland we have uh, the specialized force to deal with them which is rashia rifles a sizable force which almost three decades of experience in counter terrorism operations so they take care of the second tier of uh, defense supported with uh, by the casf and uh, the civil police of jnk special forces and couple of other uh, paramilitary forces which are available 
so uh, it is not going to be that a cakewalk uh, in a scenario where we saw in 93 uh, 5000 almost 3000 plus terrorists could infiltrate and there was almost 50000 plus uh, violent incidents be it a bomb blast or ied or killing uh, the military uh, personnel or killing the civil officials so those kind of stuff we can expect but as i said there is a strong solid robust system of uh, managing these threats uh, there are good amount of uh, fine tuning which the army is already doing it as we speak uh, to neutralize uh, this we classify them as fts the foreign terrorist but uh, the worry thing there are certain two takes which we have definitely is the, as you said uh, almost a million plus lack of small arms uh, bounty which was left by us to these forces now they have already found their way into pakistan uh, assault rifle is selling anywhere between 150 to 200 usd as low as it so this arms which has come in the illegal arms trade which has come into pakistan uh, so takes three different uh, routes one is the traditional terrorism which uh, the pakistan nurtures and then second is the drug trade a uh, drug mafia starting from british columbia all the way till uh, china and Mid- uh, china on the other side of the world and third is the the, the infamous sex trade uh, which they call uh, enslaving females and selling them for money so these people have already had their hands the other export report expert reports around the globe says this and there are couple of disturbing visuals which we saw in pakistani media as well these rifles have been uh, getting sold so uh, availability of arms and that to uh, assault weapons like m16 is going to uh, be a cause of concern not only for india for almost all the countries and also uh, the major concern which we are going to face right now which we haven't faced earlier is this night vision devices uh, going into the hand of terrorist now uh, as we speak the current scenario in the counter terrorism grid uh, soldiers are uh, night vision they are night vision enabled which means in a uh, typical night operation like an ambush or a shadow search and destroy operation our men do, can do see uh, these people in the night and those people are night blind you know unless or until uh, they pick up some noise or telltale signs it's impossible for them to uh, really uh, identify where the army has laid an ambush but today they have been equipped with night vision devices which are pretty much a toy to ease uh, use it so it doesn't have major uh, trainings and stuff which is required and which can be transported easily as you said through drones and other means and all those uh, assault rifles uh, plus the grenades the hand grenades the ammunitions uh, their bulletproof vest uh, bulletproof helmets the the soldier gear we typically call and more than this the, the bigger issue will we will be facing now is the night vision device because both of us can see each other uh, during a night operation so we haven't at faced such a scenario uh, unlike with the traditional army things are different with pakistani army is different but with a terrorist force uh, laying hands on this uh, technical tactical gadgets is definitely a cause of concern it, for it for a time being or i would uh, say for a period of uh, short period it may lead into uh, more blood from our side but things are pretty much under control uh, they are going to be dealt with uh, very very strongly and very very clearly as we speak today the k- k- past 3 4 years have been really successful for the indian armed forces in a way the shelf life of a terrorist the day they cross the line and come into india and uh, they 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 get killed uh, the, the entire period the shelf life which we call it is less than a month now 
so uh, we can expect a certain amount of infiltration push before the winters before the snow sets in or if not by uh, the next summers so the influx will be there for sure uh, be it kashmir and uh, or be it parts of punjab even but as we said uh, the sudden or an unpopular move of captain amrinder singh out of his chair and then we have a new incumbent uh, chief minister uh, coming in and a very very sensitive border state now punjab has already seen uh, one round of uh, uh, insurgency terrorism kalisani movement followed by a series of incident terror incidents and then later on by the drug infiltration a couple of uh, or i would say period of 3 to 4 years or almost 5 years so we saw a lot of drug smuggling and now comes the drone threats so we have secured our border in terms of fence uh, the punjab border is very much secured in terms of international boundary we have got a very very solid uh, robust fence system guarded by our uh, bsf but nevertheless uh, this drones are going to be a threat and then when you have a very unstable government or uh, which which is kind of fighting among themselves in a very sensitive border state like uh, punjab that's going to be a serious concern and uh, down this coming elections if they end up choosing a pro kalistani uh, leaders uh, that is going to add more trouble to us so this is the immediate scenario which we can perceive for uh, coming 6 months to 1 year thank you very much uh, for that initial observation uh, major madan so i'd like to draw your attention to can we have the the map of uh, india please uh, india and its vicinity uh, major madan i hope you can see the map so i yeah. have afghanistan pakistan uh, loc lac india nepal bhutan the whole nine yards now if we look at this thing um before like for example in the 1999 kargil war conflict one of the turning moments of that war was a replay of a recorded conversation between musharraf and one of his generals i think i don't remember general or somebody less than that this conversation was allegedly provided to india by the chinese because one of those two individuals was in china at that point and if you remember it was uh, uh, abdul kalam who played it on 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 a press conference we had such you know vib- vibrant and lively press conferences in those days and and the complicity of pakistan was known to the whole world however the things have changed now because china thinks that pakistan is its junior partner and pretty much directs them in whichever way it wants because pakistan owes so much money they can't even make their interest payments leave alone the principal so given this state of affairs now india needs to get ready for an onslaught uh from not only uh the loc and the international border on its west but also something that could happen along the line of actual control so what india uh, what i'm trying to get at major madan is do you think pakistan will resort to the tried and tested method right from 1947 what they would do is they'll say you know a bunch of people who are uh, uh you know tribals uh, who wanted to in, invade are invading we have nothing to do with it when in fact many of them are you know uh, pakistani armed people in in mufti and that's what happened right now in uh, in taliban they they were embedded in every group and and they were basically the ones providing the direction for that speedy advance i'm told that they had a special bonus from canada for uh, not canada from china 
for having accomplished their target ahead of schedule. Okay, these are all allegations. We don't have any proof. And even if there is proof, who's going to find out? Nobody's going to tell. Long story short, my point is there is a possibility of attack from the north, from the east, as well as from the west. And, and who knows what can happen from the south. So India is sort of in the middle of all this. How do you see this scenario? I mean, do you think it could be simultaneous? Because that will be the maximum impact from uh, the other side. What are your thoughts? So uh, as we were progressing with the new world reality, especially for the past uh, five years, uh, China has been quite aggressive uh, since 2017. And then we have seen number of incursions, number of confrontations. And finally, the Galwan happened uh, where we had lost 20 of our soldiers. And they will never agree to their own casualties. But it was closed down to 60 if, uh, if we go by the reports. Uh, that point of 2.5 uh, you know, front war, which is two is one is Pakistan and one is China. And uh, the other half is basically the uh, terrorism. So the 2.5 front war is very much possible. And uh, we have also rehashed our entire military doctrine. The concept of theaterization is basically to address this issue. Uh, each theater to focus on uh, specific uh, one for Pakistan and one for China. And uh, we have a specialized force called Russia Rifles uh, in the north and uh, Assam Rifles in the east, which comes under the Home Ministry to deal with the, the balance point five, which is the terrorism. So we have a grid in place and things have been evolving continuously. Uh, certain facts, brutal facts, which we need to uh, look at is uh, where we lag and where we lead. Uh, in terms of air power, yes, we have our Rafales in place now. And we have ordered for a uh, few more uh, Mirages, the used ones. Basically, we will be used as a, it's called a midlife upgradation. Uh, it's going to strengthen our Air Force for, for sure. At least it will prevent the Air Force from depleting its uh, fighter plane assets. And then we have a lot of, uh, you know, investments going into uh, emergency procurement. Especially uh, last year, we have seen a lot of... Uh, Decentralization of power, the army commanders are given uh, financial powers to take and take a call and buy whatever they want. And uh, the Make in India, the Atmanirbar is a, it's a, it's a strategic project, but tactically uh, speaking, we need to react to the adversities and uh, the kind of threats present to our nation. So that's how uh, a lot of acquisitions happened in the past three, four years, which never used to happen for almost uh, since uh, we can say 30 odd years of time. So these are the good things which we need to uh, really look in. And uh, we have proved our metal in terms of our gaining tactical uh, momentum by capturing those Kailash Rangers in the mid of uh, this India-China conflict last year. And then later on, we got them to the negotiation table and then we made them withdraw from certain areas. The talks are on now. And China is in fact uh, building up their air bases at the border area. But nevertheless, the posture given by India was very, very clear that we are not going to take any such nonsense. And uh, that was never given uh, post-1956. Uh, so that was one uh, tactical win, we would say. And it also put a point to the world that India is not going to take anything lying down, uh, be it China or be it Pakistan. On the other hand, we need to see where we also lag or where our enemy is leading us. Uh, one thing with Pakistan, uh, the way they have acquired the drones, and the modern technology drones they have acquired uh, or which they are acquiring from Turkey and from China, uh, that's the area where we are kind of uh, still lagging, maybe a five-year lag, I would say. 
So today, as we speak, we had heard about uh, the Defence Pact uh, 2, uh, which uh, enables a 15 billion investment, I suppose, uh, between India and US, which will jointly develop the future drone uh, technology. But that's a long-term project. Today, when we speak uh, drone warfare, the, the contactless warfare, which we say, uh, Pakistan has got a slight edge. Like when Kagil, we had a thing, we never had a, a weapon locating radar and we could uh, we couldn't trace their weapons and Kagil taught us a lot, few lessons. Later on, we went and acquired uh, WLS. Similarly, out here, uh, drone tech is one which we need to quickly match our enemy on the Western Front. And also, a uh, lot of uh, war exercises will be done by the army, the able leadership of army. Uh, they'll be doing a lot of simulation and drill to actually uh, practice and uh, do see the real life uh, mock drill of all these exercises, war exercises or war gaming of this 2.5 front uh, warfare. Uh, one on the China side and one we can assume Pakistan and the third half is like the 0.5% is basically the terrorism. So things are uh, looking, uh, it's, it's, it's a security concern we would say, it's not a threat as of now. But these things are possible because one thing is we can be rest assured, uh, Chinese silence, it cannot be taken as uh, cowardice or it can be taken as silent. Chinese are really silent. Uh, last year to this year, they have built around or they are in a, in a process of uh, building around close to 10 airfields, very, very close to our line of actual control. If we see the last year's uh, thing, uh, uh, Sriji, uh, we, our tactical advantage or I would say the strategic advantage was our Air Force. Because uh, we had multiple air bases close to uh, those uh, things which you see near the AGPL, uh, where we had a couple of air bases in India, we had a depth, so we can always reach. Uh, China lacked that, they had around few air bases, uh, refueling was an issue, high altitude, uh, how much load they can, their fighter jets can carry, those things were all uh, issues, but we, we were uh, comfortably uh, at advantage situation out there. But China is closely, it's, it's fast closing, uh, closing the bridge or bridging the gap, I would say. So they are also catching up. And one thing India is also trying to catch up is by uh, extending the northwest, uh, northeast frontier uh, roadways. Uh, we are pretty fast and we have seen the world's highest tunnel being built and uh, the world's highest uh, bridge being built and inaugurated. So uh, things are happening fast at both ends. But because this is a posture, when you give a strong posture to your enemy, you also have to be backed up by uh, the logistics and the kind of uh, technology which your enemy has. In that sense, it's a cat and mouse uh, race. Uh, countries are leading. But as far as Pakistan is concerned, uh, they, we have to accept the fact that they have a clear uh, tech or, or what very, I would say a short-term advantage in terms of uh, unmanned uh, warfare or, or the non-contact warfare drone systems. For example, the attack which was attempted on the Jammu airbase. So those are basically the commercially available toy drones which can carry a weight of around 5 to 10 kgs and which would not cost more than say for example uh, 10 lakh, not more than 10 lakh of investment. If it have hit the hangar of any one of our Mirage air aircraft, you would have lost uh, in, in crores and crores of uh, money uh, and the strategic assets as well. So those threats are still there. Uh, these are low cost and the high high inflicting uh, injuries which Pakistan is trying to uh, done, do now. So one thing is very clear, uh, the drone is going to be a menace, especially in Punjab. Uh, Gujarat has got a, Gujarat and Rajasthan has got a very vast, uh, the, the strategic assets are not as close as it is in Jammu. Say for example, Padangod Air Base or even Chandimandir. 
these are uh, or, or even jammu so these are the serious threats which pakistan is posing now and the new breed of uh, terrorist uh, or or you can say the taliban 2.0 terrorist which they are trying to uh, which they will eventually get them to kashmir to fight against us so that's the threat uh, at, at a short term perspective but we, we have to catch up uh, in terms of our uh, air shaking capabilities which we have a slight advantage as of now but another uh, thing especially the drones which indian government is uh, is just in the process of acquiring swarm drones irrespective of the home homemade one so that's going to be the focus area for at least uh, next 3 to 4 years thank you for that um so mr madan so we so far talked about on the ground traditional warfare now we have to understand and appreciate that now warfare has taken on other dimensions for example in 2020 mumbai had a 13 hour power cut and and china telegraphed it saying that we are going to attack your power station software we are going to bring it down and and they did that and they claimed that yes we did this now um so that is one side the other thing is that you know if for example if they mess with the air traffic control systems in in delhi then you know planes can't take off planes can't land we know that there are challenges uh, you know if there's an international flight it needs to find a place to land and some of the you know runways could be uh, you know limiting i'm i'm just giving you some doomsday scenarios here so these are all different things in which uh, by which the the enemy can attack unfortunately for india the problem is india's own internal development for example a drone circuitry is more or less everything is available off the shelf however the off the shelf parts are all have to be procured from china so if somebody is looking at what is going into india they can easily make up and say okay this is what these guys are going to make it for so india has doesn't have a lot of infrastructural strength in this we don't have a um, a fab a, fab, a semiconductor fab we don't have the cottage industry to create some of the small components that make up know the larger electronic components these things will happen if india for example had um you know done a job uh, like for example if india had worked with lockheed to do their f16 manufacturing because then that is what will give you all these smaller industries which will have the capacity to do all these things unfortunately india doesn't have it or at least to my knowledge india doesn't have it however i've had other specialists tell me that Yes, India has a lot of things, but we can't tell you, which I can understand why. Uh, the question to you is the alternate uh, forms of warfare. How is India positioned? Number one. Before that, viewers, uh, Major Madan is taking questions. Do feel free to send in your questions. Also, please like this video because Madan is coming here for the first time. I want him to feel good that his time spent is worth here. So, thank you very much, and uh, you over to you, sir. Uh, sir as you said the non conventional uh, especially the cyber space uh, we had incident in mumbai uh, definitely there's a, we can assume by by any sense that there's going to be a chinese uh, hand on that because they proclaimed and it was declared as a kind of a warning uh, they can bring in the power grid down or they can shut off a thermal uh, power plant so those things are very much possible possible because everything is connected over the internet today the firewalls the systems uh, technical uh, stuff the defense which we have is continuously can be outdated and uh, this uh, sort of uh, you know penetrations or intrusions are possible at the cyber space uh, 
so uh, if you look at uh, certain measures which the government has taken uh, we have something called a government e marketplace which is called as gem so any central government agency including the army navy and air force uh, has to procure all, most of the non tactical uh, equipments and assets be it a computer or uh, a television or a fridge a cctv camera so which are non weaponry basically so this has to be bought from there it has done a business of close down to 6 7000 crore last year so what has government has done immediately is to delist all those items which are made in china so you got to disclose each of the each and every seller out there it's an amazon basically b2b the government buys it and uh, the the companies in india sell it so now they made it very very clear uh, none of the chinese origin products will be accepted there is a lot of rulings which have been given to the defense procurement uh, policies there is some changes which have been brought in uh, for example indian navy has told their uh, all their vital installations to remove the hik vision cameras hik hik vision is a indian company per se but uh, the, the, it's, it's got a such sizable amount of chinese funding and it's basically assembled in india the components as you said comes from china we don't have uh, those components being manufactured in india now hik vision has been re- has been told the, the navy has told their uh, all their installations to remove it uh, forthwith but as you said the problem is what will we then put it what will we put there it has to be a purely indian made product where like at least we source those critical uh, semiconductors and chips in india so that's a long way to go it's just started this would have if, if uh, we would have done this way back in uh, 95 to 2000 where china was actually taking a lead till then india and china were sailing almost in the same boat by now we would have been a global competitor for china but it is very unfortunate uh, those time at uh, those uh, leaders of the political leadership especially didn't had such a vision and uh, we are picking up we have to pick up uh, pace now uh, so this the small tactical corrections the government is already doing so most of the government tenders uh, now it's been very very clear every seller uh, has to d- declare the components Uh, even if you uh, sell out a machine if you have few components being sourced from china it has to be declared so those kind of checks and measures has been uh, put in place because we cannot allow uh, to put those cctvs in our defense establishments and strategic installations and then let the chinese sit at uh, their own comfort in uh, some chinese city and monitor all this so that threat is always there and as you said sir like uh, do we have a cyber command in place yes we do have but lot of this uh, actions which uh, the defense forces and the intelligence agencies which they counter which is a counter intelligence or a counter uh, cyber uh, warfare is kept under the carpet for obvious reasons uh, we need to have high level of uh, security this has been uh, information on this has been denied, denied even in the floor of the parliament because it's very very sensitive and uh, it will pose a serious uh, security threat so we have we will rest assured that there are a lot of things which has been happening uh, in the hindsight which we, we will not be aware uh, as uh, common citizens uh, because the number of incidents when it doesn't go up uh, the security industry per se uh, if, if like you got the best of the you know the fire extinguishers and the fire fighting equipments for your organization but you would never want to use that actually uh, in the real life so similarly these agencies uh, the, the, the 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 if they fail then such incidents happen so uh, we don't have such a staunch data or we don't have a, a, a movie feel like uh, hollywood where you would say you know american sniper uh, kills around uh, 200 odd terrorists uh, sitting in a place and he never get shot 
so those kind of uh, cinematic things are also not available for us even to the public to digest and to cherish this but definitely cyber is one space which the which our own cds the chief of defense uh, staff himself has told that this is one space where we need to uh, improve our uh, potential uh, being having said this uh, uh, the southern part of india which is the human capital in terms of uh, it the information technology and these things are a lot of friends whom i interact with so the cyber security profession is still in a kind of a nation stage where uh, our young mind or young people have either they migrate to us or shift to us and work there or sitting in india remotely they to take an offshore project of a us based bank or maybe maybe a uk based uh, bank the back end is happening here so this is one space where we can quickly catch up it will not take much of a time maybe a 3 to 5 year of a period we should be able to catch up with this uh, but the larger threat of uh, propaganda warfare which is like it's not seen it still uh, looks like whenever i speak to people they think that it's a conspiracy theory and i have political comments uh, nasty comments coming out me that's fine but the fact is the propaganda machinery of china is too strong uh, today when we look at the hollywood industry almost 40 to 45% of the money which goes into making those movies is coming from china now it's a chinese based uh, companies now similar infiltration has happened in india there is one investigative journalism uh, you know small time investigators have published an online article which i happened to read that which clearly says that the the chinese have fair amount of influence in bollywood uh, in the think tanks in india in the, the editorial the columnist the, the channels youtube channels uh, the the social media influencers so they are able to reach far you know far, uh, far faster and better than what we could imagine and in fact the china's doors are completely closed they don't have twitter they have weibo weibo and those things are highly firewall and each and every comment which a chinese citizen post is getting accounted by linking that uh, online account social media account with the mobile number but unfortunately india being a democratic country where slightest of this measures would be considered as or it will be propagated as uh, you know uh, choking the freedom of uh, speech and expression that's one area which we need to quickly catch up because off late if you see a uh, us based organization like twitter which can uh, briefly uh, block the tweets or the handle official handle of uh, the law minister uh, then uh, shri ravi prashankar prashad ji uh, then we have actually let a you know let a monster to grow and then we are trying to tame it and you know put those rules in place and stuff so it rules need to be updated uh second point is our infa, the the fighting capability in terms of cyber warfare especially the cyber security space uh, that needs lot of uh, education maybe a specialization in iits and uh, other leading institution to start with uh, rather than general generalizing it as be computer science we need to have those specialized studies and the think tanks coming up uh, and the third space which we need to uh, look at is the propaganda warfare i would or i would prioritize it as one because propaganda is one thing which can lead uh, or divide the country uh, with your own people we don't need to have uh, this thing and it's a low investment operation uh, for the propaganda you don't have to uh, invest much so this is one thing uh, which is seriously uh, has to be addressed by the the current uh, government at disposition they need to closely look at uh, freedom of speech is fine uh, but freedom of speech equally you know accounts for responsibility so today anybody can post any comment uh, they can forward anything uh, it's all unaccountable nothing goes off unless or unless we have uh, technology measures 
also coupled with uh, stringent laws in place this is going to be definitely a threat for uh, indian in near future at least in the next coming decade absolutely i couldn't agree with you more uh, major um, some of the things that you said is directly applicable to united states i mean one to one the media is captured by chinese and i mean you you alluded to hollywood but there are many other things where uh, china has managed to confuse and deflect criticism i'll give you a simple example uh it was known black and white that the report on how the covid virus came out that it came out of a lab in wuhan there was absolutely no doubt about that if you go back and look at how the genesis happened you know it's very easy to trace that now what has happened is when this main report was going to see the light of the day an alternate report casting doubts on this casting all sorts of questions was sort of you know attached with this so suddenly what happens is people are saying it may be this it may not be this so there is this doubt seeds of doubt have been sown and and instead of having a clear headed action the united states is now saying oh well we need to probe further and 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 see what you said was absolutely right you, you don't need a lot of money to do this thing you can do it at a very low cost and and not only that i have had other specialists who are china watchers or china uh, born people who have seen there but no longer now look at the chinese uh, objective they've told me that even the big uh, high tech companies like google twitter and so on they have been infiltrated infiltrated by means of like companies who use shell corporations but they are essentially chinese uh, army fronts to to go and buy the stocks here there's a lot of obfuscation going on so all those of you viewers who think that india stock market is doing well therefore india is doing well nothing could be further than that the truth than that especially india stock market is a very shallow market so don't even think about that and say that okay therefore there is prosperity um madan uh, major madan there is another warfare that is also looming large evidently there are 28000 strains that china is in possession of covid is one so 27999 are available for it to unleash whichever way see this is all in the air um in biological warfare india is good at coming up with vaccines covaxin proved that but to thwart this thing you need a disciplined set of people because when you say wear a mask everybody has to wear a mask don't try and say that oh i am healthy therefore it's not going to happen to me can you kind of give us a little bit of a little bit inner inner perspective on this and then we'll open the floor for questions uh sir when when we speak about uh, biological warfare or uh, nbc a nuclear or a biological warfare or a chemical warfare even which like nuclear and chemical are kind of uh, outdated or uh, the, the most easiest option is the biological warfare as on today one thing which covid uh, taught us or uh, i would say which which we should uh, proudly be uh, you know the fact the proud factors the indian armed forces uh, which is one of the largest armies in the world or one of the largest forces in the defense force in the world were the first to get vaccinated even before uh, things started uh, we were at a ratio of almost 98% indian army which which were like the navy and the air force also that we have 98% of our population vaccinated because this is the critical mass which we need to protect 
if we lose our soldiers for this uh, sort of virus strain or as you said 27000 is said to be released so that's going to be a cost but as we said of uh, hats off to our forces and the leadership the political leadership we quickly got our uh, soldiers saved and that's how uh, we were able to put such a brave front uh, on the eastern side in, in the face of the enemy uh, with china and the armed forces were able to continue their uh, duties in terms of uh, beat handling uh, terrorism in uh, jnk or fighting out chinese in chinese border or beat uh, drones or other lot of threats in the sea and uh, in the interland uh, the similar uh, thing which has happened is a uh, police force internal security were also quick enough to adapt to these changes the indians are very very good in you know as you call jugad we are very very quick in adapting to uh, such threats so that's been so, so such good things which can happen which now has to be made into a kind of a process that tomorrow when we have a strain the first case ever reported uh, in india i think was a girl who came from a uh, one university uh, university based out of one in kerala that was case number 1 and then in down 18 days we had uh, case number 50000 i suppose so now we have a lesson in place and we know how it can be spread in air possibly we need to simulate our scientists and uh, the, the tech or, or the brains like icmr has to do uh, these studies parallel studies and today uh, as bill gates said 3 uh, 4 days before that india would be the world's uh, largest mrna factory in the coming days and we don't have to worry about uh, the vaccination part yes we do have factories but we still have to understand that for the factories to function of all the 28 or raw materials which they speak almost 80% comes from uh, us and china so that's where we need to uh, think rethink our possibilities now we had a touch or or, or a airborne disease i would call uh, covid being spread from china now we may have waterborne or it may be something else i'm not technically qualified but these uh, things has to be simulated uh this in things has to be simulated and we should have uh, if at least a rough plan in place or something of this sort happens what needs to be done so only then we will be able to uh, fight this biological warfare because as you said sir uh, there is nobody you can blame the who is supposed to be the cop or the police for this the chief uh, cop himself is a slave of china the financial action task force the fatf which we famously call is been run by head by headed by chinese most of the un organizations of the world health organization is fund either funded or run by chinese now in no way we can go and make the thief accountable because he holds almost all the thing it's like a big don who is sitting in a city who controls almost all the you know vital organizations of government so that's the position which china is in and the one which is supposed to stand up and oppose is uh, america and unfortunately uh, we have uh, seen an election which was actually should have been fought on uh, china and the one virus uh, which we call but it was fought on something else and we have a president uh, with this very very infamous uh, or inglorious exit from uh, afghan so there is nobody to challenge china globally so they are now they started forming uh, alliances like aukus and stuff which specifically deals more with more to do with military way of doing things beat warships nuclear submarines and stuff but this particular threat of biological warfare i think india has to stand on its own uh, we need to also guard our neighboring nations like uh, nepal bhutan bangladesh maldives except excluding pakistan so that's where the world countries the smaller countries are also looking at india as a power this is the place where india can uh, uh, kind of protect itself and also india can be uh, a global superpower in terms of uh, such scenarios coming up in the future so we have to uh, the government has to really focus on this area 
and out of some uh, health budget we speak around i think 1.5% of the gdp we need to earmark certain amount of money on uh, these research researchers and uh, r&d to counter these such uh, threats in the future thank you very much major madan and that was a 360 degree view of india's preparedness to encountering whatever it is that's going to be get thrown at it uh, these are new uh, unexplored areas but india has help united states will help once it kind of gets a little bit more hands on situation but i think india has some friends there's one all weather friend israel there's uh, uh france for example for example and and japan and and taiwan taiwan remember that it's got one very very critical asset the tsmc which is a fab state of the yes. art fab and i worked in the semiconductor industry for a few years i know how hard it is to run semiconductor uh, fabs very 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 costly and time consuming and it's uh, so on i can go on so uh, major madan if it's okay with you we can start taking a look at some uh, take two more minutes of yours uh, to please, give please, 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 please. Been, uh, half lights been picking up is the same old uh, drug trade so the, the drug opm from afghanistan uh, comes to you know pakistan later on it takes the typical opm route or the two hours of opm which has been fought but today uh, pakistan is trying its water you know testing its waters in uh, down in south especially with tamil nadu and kerala and also in the western coast so i would uh, like to quote four incidents where uh, a larger vessel from pakistan makran coast uh, which was sailing in international water you know waters uh, down indian ocean was intercepted by a sri lankan naval naval ship the information was intelligence was shared by india of course uh, ended up raiding uh, a ship and they got around uh, 650 kgs of heroin a 3 crore of value makes it 2000 crore So this is incident number one. Uh, we had one incident close to Tuticorin port, which is very very close to uh, Sri Lanka. There we had a huge consignment of almost 500 close plus weapons coming in and thousand odd ammunitions also coming in. And we had one such incident near Kochi port, again around 300 odd crore. And we had one incident in Vilinjam, Kerala, another 300 crore. And uh, we had one incident in Mumbai, Navashiva, that's around 600 crore of uh, drug. Uh, top grade uh, heroin being imported as talcum powder and as we speak the massive one was today at mundra port a company which is based out of uh, vizag uh, vijayawada sorry andhra pradesh has imported uh, talcum powder from uh, afghanistan which turned out to be 9000 crore worth of heroin now this is uh, something which is very very serious because we have a, a existing uh, route with historically which ldd has been using for quite some time successfully between uh, uh, sri lanka and tamil nadu uh, north of sri lanka and tamil nadu which is hardly uh, two hours in a speed boat so that even though we have a strong maritime security in terms of uh, navy indian navy and uh, indian coast guard in those area but the proximity of the two nations is so close it's very very difficult to uh, ascertain which is the international waters and stuff so this is a clear threat which is coming to the southern india and all this incident which i quoted happened in the last 6 uh, to 7 months so that's one thing we are uh, we are uh, have to wake up now uh, na and couple of other intelligence agencies have already uh, sounded an alert in kerala and uh, tamil nadu and tamil nadu police has been actively uh, uh, patrolling in the in the border districts which is the tuticorin and kanyakumari and all these areas so this is one area where we can clearly see uh, the notion of south being so peaceful and cannot be invaded is no more a reality we have to wake up to this threat and that's all from my side sir thank you so much and and those of you who have not read my book 
who painted my money white please read it because this had to do with what's happening in the south everything the action takes place in south and it uh, details one such scenario what could happen and uh, please do read it i'm not selling my book here i'm just happening to mention it because it was something that uh, major madan brought up we didn't rehearse this in the uh, before so thank you uh, mr major madan for uh, sharing your thoughts it is we have to be cautious if anything looks suspicious do inform people uh, you know if you happen to be in a flat uh, society make sure the security comes to know of it it has to be done many of us li are living now nuclear lives where we don't even know who our neighbor is many of the time right so these are all things that we have to be you know work as a combined unit of course there is covid so wear a mask be responsible and uh, this will go away but it will going to take some time uh, there are very determined uh, enemies who don't want india to prosper um thank you very much major madan the first question is from kshitij other agarwal is qatar and turkey funding pakistan to have boots on the ground in afghanistan uh in a way yes because qatar i would say qatar is funding it for a different reason qataris are uh, they want to project themselves as gateway of this uh, afghanistan and the, the central asian republics so they want to project themselves as the global mediators uh, the global uh, hub of all the talks and uh, the soft so the soft thing which is not the terrorism but they uh, we we hear from the global experts that they do for for fund certain factions of taliban if not and uh, turkey for their own reasons yes they do have uh, this thing turkey basically wants to take the role of uh, saudi uh, being the boss or the leader of the islamic nation so pakistan has walked out of uh, oic or pakistan has been shown its door in oic so turkey is one which really wants to take that position of uh, playing the big brother of islamic nations that's the precise reason why turkey uh, commented uh, erdogan erdogan uh, commented on kashmir and stuff so turkey is going to continue this and uh, we can see that in future as well next question please uh, dda uh, can you please <laughs> give your full name why doesn't india have a cyber army like the pakistan's ispr so a cyber army as i said uh, it's it's a sensitive uh, affair we may not rule out i would put it very diplomatically we may not rule out that we can't say that we don't have i'm ruling it out uh, that the way it works is whatever as i said drone technology park is leading so definitely we will do a catch up similarly out here if our enemy has such a strong cyber army uh, you can very much understand any logical sense india would also have uh, its own capabilities Uh, next question from Rohit Kallakuri. Indian Army has stated that it is capable of a two and a half front war if needed. How lethal can this one half of a front be in a situation if such a situation emerges? See, the point five will uh, be uh, it will give you a tactical advantage. It will not give you a strategic advantage. For example, if something if, if we assume there is a two front war which is happening. so a lot of army has been committed in uh, the counter terrorism operations as we speak so uh, the army will be redeployed eventually for their uh, conventional role which is fighting a war so in that sense uh, this counter terrorism operations will be per se be taken over by uh, the state polices and the paramilitary forces so this these terrorists if they are too much of active terrorists in kashmir and other places they can specifically target your uh, strategic targets like the one which happened in patan code air base or uh, the uri camp the army camp which which was saw an uh, attack 
so those kind of attacks are possible so it will be high intense it will serve a specific purpose on that given particular day of a warfare so that's going to be more of a nuisance value and for the enemy it costs nothing it's a very very low cost high uh, inflicting uh, kind of an operation next question from ganeshan narayanan is it possible to mount an irregular operation to neutralize the terror masterminds in pakistan with deniability quotient see irregular operation is what i can understand is uh, unconventional a non conventional one so non conventional we have seen such responses in the past be it uh, balakot strike or urji uri surgical strike where we we did go inside uh, pakistan and strike their targets uh, at their origin so this is uh, slightly different it is a kind of giving a disproportionate response so uh, only when we adapted the strategy the current government when this adapted the strategy we never saw incidents like mumbai a large scale attack where uh, you know terrorists came inside a big city the city was under siege for almost two days the stock exchange was closed so such scenarios is is not bound to arise in future because of one simple reason the response which we are going to give as a nation back to pakistan or any other adversary or beat china is going to be disproportionate especially with pakistan it is going to be disproportionate when i say disproportionate it means that somebody throws a stone at me and i am going to use a you know firearm on him so that kind of a response so this is on the strategy is on pakistan very much is very much aware uh, that this things cannot be done in future but the enemy also is smart that you know he has shifted something into a non contact warfare and drone and stuff so we need to see how these things can be dealt but if there is a provocation our response will be very very disproportionate and very very high thank you very much devi ks wants to know frankly india could thrash pakistan any time but is india prepared for triple attack by pakistan china and taliban at the same time how strong is indian navy for a sea attack let's it on the first part i think you've already talked about it enough just the indian navy for sea attack so indian navy is very very formidable uh, in terms of the ior indian ocean region uh, we have we currently have one uh, aircraft carrier and shortly vikramaditya will be commissioned in a year or so so we'll have two one in the western seas which is arabian sea and one in the eastern side uh, which is the bay of bengal and indian ocean so we have a formidable navy we are very much secured in terms of uh, securing our uh, waters because that's the major border we the country you know we tend to ignore the sea side of it we are a peninsula as a nation uh, uh, pakistani navy is kind of doing a catch up pakistani navy is basically restricted towards uh, protecting their karachi port that's all pakistan does pakistan navy does as in the past it has done it they, you know it has been restricted themselves to protect their bases rather than going in an offensive role Uh, indian navy per se has been quite aggressive and quite offensive in our uh, western uh, sea but pakistan is also doing a catch up it is equipping its uh, submarines it's buying up a new fleet of uh, ships from uh, china so on the other side we have uh, china which has come very very close to india uh, been idly been based at uh, sri lanka now but as as we speak it's a port city it's a commercial hub will can that be made into a military or hamandota port which china has been uh, has taken it on lease from uh, sri lanka so this threat is uh, something which is india has to watch out uh, that's why we have put in maximum amount of focus in developing uh, andamans and we have uh, thrown away or we can say we have kind of helped out the non indian non indian favoring government in maldives so those things are happening across so with china 
it's a cat and mouse race uh, with pakistan we are at a clear advantage but pakistan is also catching up at a much slower rate yes and for those viewers who don't know this thing in 1971 war india blockaded the karachi port actually it set the port on fire believe yeah. it or not india was pretty aggressive there they just said we are going to teach you a lesson you will not forget so so at least i mean i was growing up at that time as i remember all these things very uh, amazing stuff that happened when uh, india is if you push india into a corner it is going to respond in a very very ferocious way but see these are all great optics and everything at that point in 1971 chawan lai not chawan lai was the master dong i think he was busy trying to avert a coup from his general bai ling <laughs> and and uh, so he was he, his attention was a little bit uh, you know diverted away from what was happening so who knows how history would have turned out but um, the next question please rajesh aidur wants to know we have a three front war two and a half war can be fought by the armed forces but what about the other half which is internal taliban that is inside india so rajesh ji the answer for that is we all of us 120 crore 30 plus crore people the vote which we use the governments which we choose is an answer for this we cannot outsource our entire uh, security responsibility to the soldiers out there as a citizen uh, our voting percentage especially in cities is uh, pathetic so if every one of us are aware of the political scenario so the my voting preference would always be the nation comes first uh, you know the state interest comes second so the nation has to be secured first you know you can be economically prosperous you can be uh, you can be anything but if your uh, if your if your security is weak you can be run over the best example we can say high n number of countries which you have seen right in front of our eyes you know in in in, in front of us since today we are seeing a situation taiwan gdp in any sense it's far far ahead of india but taiwan is under threat so we need to secure our thing so this point 5 front is left with us all of us need to participate thank you very much for that and giridhar mamidi wants to know would you say that the ceasefire agreed across loc since february was a mistake in hindsight should bharat open its guns to keep the pak army busy even on their eastern front i have something to also add to that please go ahead see uh, the, the the ceasefire per se doesn't mean weakness or we say or, or we are not tired that you know i'm fed up of fighting so i'll last for ceasefire ceasefire is uh, is done to for us to gain something which in the sense uh, we have mobilized lot of our troops to uh, the chinese border the leh ladakh sector a lot of internal changes are happening so it will be a bit of a stress for us to keep countering uh, pakistan and remember me the taliban uh, when this ceasefire uh, stuff was happening we nobody uh, even uh, the taliban were not aware that uh, they would take over or you would say walk over into uh, kabul and take over uh, afghanistan once and uh, so easily so that is a kind of thing but uh, this ceasefire uh, can be or unilaterally be called off or it can be called off bilaterally at any time so this is not an opportunity lost i would say this is definitely not an opportunity lost we would have a lot of such opportunities in future thank you very much and i think that brings us to the end of questions um major madan uh, today's talk was a revelation because a lot of things that we covered you know you you haven't pulled any punches you said there are weaknesses there are strengths and and the country needs to know what they are and be aware of it and act accordingly so 
a lot of stuff that I think have our viewers have not heard came to know today. And we're going to have more such conversations because I'm hoping to have you back again where we can take a little bit more uh, in-depth look at some of the technologies because I, uh, I used to work in semiconductors and my neighboring company was a small drone manufacturer in 2010, 2011. They were close to shutting down, but then suddenly drone technology took off. And I'm talking about a company called General Atomics. Many of you may not know it, but this is the company that is at the spearhead of you know latest technology. They were talking about an eight-inch drone that that would you know pack so much power and precision that it can you know take out even buildings. So there, there's there's a lot happening in drones. I don't think US has shared a lot of the technology with anybody else. So there is there are some things that US is keeping in its back pocket to try and see what China does. And I think it was a bad move on part of China to try and uh, get, uh, you know, uh, bankroll the operation that uh, Pakistan did for them. And they got enriched in the process to occupy Afghanistan. So we'll wait and see how it goes. Uh, one last question. Oriental Arms wants to know, will nationalist armed citizens act as a buffer in a two and a half front war the CAA and farmer riots have shown that local police can be overwhelmed. See, I won't go with the fact of nationalist, uh, nationalistic armed citizens. So anything for a country like India, where we uh, our basic dharma is discipline. So we need to have some discipline force. It's not that the, you know we have a mob of people uh, holding guns. Gun culture will never work for India. What we could see uh, in US and today we saw in Russia. Uh, eight people in the university got killed because one guy decided to uh, open up his rifle. It is not going to work. But we do have a reservist army. Like I was in the reservist of army uh, since uh, till my, uh, I think till last year, uh, since I turned 40. So there's reservist, there's a chunk of reservist army who are well trained and uh, very much qualified and were pretty much handled in, you know, both the eastern and the western side are there. And we also have uh, a, a very strong force of territorial army, which we, people are not aware of, which is a part-time uh, military force. Any one of you can go uh, join and serve the country minimum for two years and two, two months in a year, so that you can join up to the age of 42. So these are the forces, and sub, and also to be substantiated with the NCC, which is again a very very uh, vast organization. So these are the forces which need to be uh, addressing such a threat or be taking over uh, internal security for a brief period of time, or it may be like disaster relief or uh, or even the first aid missions which we carry out during an active war. But arming citizens uh, by, uh, you know, judging them nationalist, it's, it's not, not going to work in a democratic country like us. Yes, indeed. You need to have some basic training skills also. So the good to know that there is a reserve uh, force available. Um, in this next question, Vijay Varun Chadda, in these so-called farmers' protests, based on complete misinformation, where corporate infrastructure was physically attacked, how do you see this act as a warfare tool against Indian asset? I will also throw in that uh, sterilite plant because uh, China was a direct beneficiary of that. Please go ahead. I see in both cases in farm protest, it's a major farm reform which was uh, which was waiting. The country would have, should have done it. Uh, Sri Narasimhaji should have done it way back uh, when we opened up the market. Farm was one which was closed, uh, but 
when this protestants uh, things happen uh, the government cannot be dictating or you know just uh, send in uh, battalion of police and then lathi charge them that's not going to happen they, they have a dual uh, you know respect uh, rights to protest in for their own rights but it was a clear uh, classical case of example where we had uh, uh, actors from uh, hollywood like singers from hollywood rihanna and uh, greta thunberg some active activists from switzerland would have never seen india no what is even growing in india and then lot of actors in bollywood and all it was a timed well coordinated well rehearsed operation there was a, a massive social media outburst for over a period of 5 uh, to 7 days uh, those pictures uh, which were in the in the you know during the various uh, farm protests one which happened and i i used to you know defy or demythify this photo with couple of my technical friends tech friends uh, which have helped me out so couple of uh, lathi charge and shoot out photos of maharashtra when sarath pawar was the agriculture minister was shown as the atrocity of the current government done in punjab and haryana so this was a well coordinated uh, op and but the thing is like today the social media is double edged it equally got exposed also that the same toolkit where this uh, bunch of jokers were trying to you know uh, copy paste and uh, do it so imagine i'll just give you an example of how well coordinated it is one uh, actress or a singer uh, voices out for the indian farmers waking up from the sleep and then there's a punjabi singer who uh, dedicates a song to us by less than 3 to 4 hours so so these are all well coordinated efforts but uh, certain measures like shutting off internet we do keep doing it in jnk as and when required to just uh, subtle this uh, was required maybe that was not uh, taken considering the agitation and stuff but we also need to understand that it later on part of it it got restricted it got confined it was not a national farmers protest as it was been projected it was specific to one particular state uh, called punjab and the spillover which happened slightly in haryana similarly we had something uh, what shri ji has just said about uh, sterlite uh, which is the largest copper manufacturing uh, plant in uh, in the country uh, present in down south in uh, tutukurin this is not a new factory it's been there for two decades plus and all this protests and stuff happened and there's a lot of uh, foreign money which came in uh, those protesters were there on streets and then the, the law and order went haywire a great angry mob went inside a collector office uh, trying to attack police officers and they in turn fired and it resulted in complete chaos and loss of life uh, that that's a very a very sad situation and then the plant has to be shut down so from last year till this year uh, anybody who is in the real estate industry or uh, dealing in electrical industry is aware the prices of copper has gone up so the copper accessories like your uh, domestic uh, wires and stuff everything prices has gone up because from the from a portion of exporter of copper to the world we are now become the importer of copper and that too from china so now today uh, once the elections are all over and then we have uh, the political regime change all happening the same set of people uh, who are there in the initial stages or uh, today i saw them in the local media voicing out that we have lost our employment and uh, tutukuri port per se has lost lot of opportunities we are drivers we are trucks has to run we have lost our uh, livelihood so the plant has to restart so these are the things which is a typical uh, typical nuisance or a headache for a democratic country but that's a that's a the double side of the democracy it in any country like china or uh, russia it's not possible but here that's where the fund the fundamental thing is 
right to protest will always exist they need to protest the people have to protect for their rights uh, that's the birthright of in any democratic nation but the medium which is getting misused is basically the social media <clears throat> which is what i've been trying to say been vocal about it has to have the accountability which means when i post some tweet or when i post some comment in whatever name irrespective of my nicknames or pseudonyms i have i should be able to, the, the law agency should be able to trace me that's missing in india Thank you very much. Uh, Sudhir Kaushik wants to know what about the blast at LG plant at Andhra and Intel factory in Karnataka. These are all instances that are playing out. I mean, so there could be genuine things also. I think uh, I don't, we don't need to answer that. Uh, sorry, Sudhir, we'll do, take it up next time because we are running out of time. We don't we don't want to take this thing too long. I just wanted to uh, observe a couple of things. One is which this is why I keep telling our viewers: listen, if you feel strongly about something, write to your MP. make sure hundred of you write at the same time email them badger them this phone call you can sit in your drawing room instead of you know sending tweets to us why are you not doing it you do it yourself you can send it to these people they have to feel the heat tamil nadu 38 i think out of 39 are dmk or dmk front ask them why the heck did they stop the sterilite plant in even the admk is complicit in this these people don't think about the nation nation they are always thinking about how do i get elected how do i eat money so these things people have to do this thing we can only tell you that this is how you can express your disappointment and and i'm sure it will move next uh, next thing um we'll we'll do kshitij we'll take it up uh, in a in a next uh, hang out because there is a lot that needs to be done major madan is a major source of information i want to try and limit this because when when this goes back and plays on youtube people look at the oh it's one one hour 12 minutes it's too long yeah, they don't even watch it i want to keep them to watching it there's a ton of information here and we'll be back tomorrow with dr subramanian swami where we are going to take a critical look at some of the misses that india may have done so thanks and we hope that you will join us for that and major madan it was a pleasure and honor to talk to you sir and uh, we will be very very uh, keen on listening and having you back again in the very near future to talk about more things thank you very much namaskar thank you very much sir namaskar jai hind